0: Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight figure Amazon and e commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e commerce podcast, The E commerce Leader, co hosted by myself, Michael Veazey, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unami's highest rated e commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. labels and jelly spoons. Boys and girls, welcome to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for 6, 7 and 8 figure Amazon sellers. Now of course Amazon sellers is a rather small-minded term I guess for some very ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs out there who want to expand well away from Amazon or at least in addition to Amazon. And today's guest is going to be perfectly placed to talk about that whole journey. So Damon Meredith is with us today from Boletic. Damon is the founder and CEO of Boletic. They are a brand and product development uh, company. That are looking to acquire and develop Amazon FBA brands and potentially push them through additional sales channels. So, first of all, Damon, warm welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure Great, to be good here. to
0: have you here. Yeah. And where are you coming to us from today?
1: I'm locked down in my office. We've got offices in High Street Kensington in London, but um not today, we're locked down. So I'm in Henley, which is west of London, about forty miles down the Thames. So
0: Excellent. So nice to have a British voice in this subject and we've had quite a lot of American guests and the British perspective is always welcome and I think that hopefully there are people on both sides of the pond and beyond will, will have a lot to learn from you. So today's topic is developing a brand that is good enough to sell on big box retail or direct to consumer are you transitioning from amazon potentially into retail so we've got a couple of episodes to talk that through and you've got a very big expertise and background in consumer product development so just tell us a little bit about your your story in a nutshell what sort of brought you to this point
1: okay so i don't know how far you want to go back but um going back 10 years plus i worked for many years as a photographer and also in the film industry i i used to find locations for movies would you believe so I took that experience particularly in photography with my network as sort of creative some branding people and graphic designers and in uh, about 2011 I sort of pivoted and created a consumer goods products company called New Soda what we did really was to come up with some inno- innovative gadgets and uh, products in the uh, kitchen and household space they're completely unique we started from scratch we found product designers came up with ideas Developed the brand identity and started selling to brick retailers back in the day when brick retail was a good place to sell. And we did pretty well. So we opened about 1,600 accounts worldwide, uh, including about 600 in the US. We supplied most of the major retailers in the UK and Europe um, and also other countries like Australia, Mexico, South Africa, France, Germany, and so on. Uh, So that brand was completely retail-facing. And I don't know how much you want to go on from there into where we are today, but that was my background. We kind of won a couple of awards for that. We exhibited at the big trade shows in Chicago and um, Ambiente, the big one in Germany, about three or four times. And we also had a section on our website, which was for submitting your product idea. So if you had an inventive idea in products, uh, we would accept your um, uh, submission and we'd see if we could push it out. Into retail channels. I think we had about ten thousand submissions in the end, and from that process, particularly the award wins, we started building a really big network of product designers, product engineers. These are people working for, um, or at least ex-working for, big famous brands. The stuff that you see on the shelves in the shops, and that's really kind of my background about. Three or four years ago, I co-founded an Amazon FBA business with a, a colleague who was in the office. He still runs that today. He's doing very well. So I have an kind of unusual mix of skills where I understand Amazon FBA very well, but particularly my background, like I say, is in branding and high-end product development. And that's where we are today. The new venture is called Baletic, and perhaps I'll come to that later.
0: Excellent. Well, that's certainly, uh, yeah, it's quite a different thing. And as you say, I guess it's probably overdue that we should have somebody on, on the programme to talk about brand development at this level. And kind of kind of crazy that I hadn't sought that out. So I'm glad you sort of came out of the woodwork and got in contact with me. And Yeah, yes. it's interesting. There's
1: product gets skipped over sometimes with Amazon, yes. but it's what you're doing. You're selling products and they need to be innovative and different to really survive, particularly nowadays, I think, where you've got Different people coming onto the Amazon platform that perhaps did previously, and I think to some degree it's going to be necessary to kind of up your game on the products and include innovations. I think we're all sort of used to staring at the Amazon screen, kind of looking at uh, feedback from tools like Jungle Scout and looking at massive categories that we want to penetrate. But what you uh, tend to forget is that quite often somebody was first on with an innovative product there. So just coming up behind and sort of not copying it, but doing a version of it that you've sourced in China maybe isn't enough anymore. And I think that would be our perspective that it's it's about to go pro. And uh, obviously that's our background. So
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I would definitely agree that they, the sort of pure private label model is, I mean, I guess I would classify both channels that I run as sort of based around the Amazon private label model, but with a real uh, twist to it, which is to say, yeah i don't mean you simply put your logo and some some packaging on an existing product i absolutely don't think that's right and also agree that really where you need to shift is um as they say in america you need to escape where the puck is going not where the puck is or where it's been and uh, obviously I, I have no idea about ice hockey i've never played it in my life but yeah. i like the idea i, I think it's right uh, now, it's really yeah. important actually because it's you know basically tight following a competitive, which is effectively the business model that's implied by the jungle scout obsession that i try to wean people off yeah. is really a very very difficult game to play successfully and i think the people that i know that are successful in this game actually kind of are a blend between pragmatically seeing the product categories as such that are growing mm-hmm. but actually very very innovative in a lot of their approaches so we ought to get into the, the whole business of how to develop products so there's a few different ways to go with this but the first question is i suppose a sort of headline is we, we were sort of discussing this before we got on the the call that there's two different ways to put it but they're two sides of the same coin which is okay how do i compete in a world on amazon where in 2021 and beyond and if you're listening in 2022 it's not going to be any better but worse where the competition is serious and the, the product quality and innovation is high And I guess the the other question we're trying to approach is, how do I get it ready to go off Amazon and actually into the big wider world? And I guess they're the same kinds of things. So first question then is, what is the real difference between, say, a typical FBA successful product and a product that is really ready for sale to retailers? What's that difference?
1: I think the major major difference is that retailers, and this is also true of direct-to-consumer sales, by the way, it's uh, not only retail is that you really need some sort of product inventive step or innovation and a strong brand identity, and I mean like a really professional-looking brand identity, which gives the impression to the retailer that there's something going on outside of their stores, which is driving people uh, to their stores looking for your product. So they're looking for up-and-coming brands, innovative products, and they need to have some sort of off-Amazon presence to, to validate that. And I don't want to over-generalize about the Amazon space, but sometimes perhaps these people operating on Amazon may be a first time to product development. So don't know, they're knocked it out of the park and I take my hat off to anybody who's managed to get any sort of product to market in any shape or form. But you've got to go a little bit further with, with retailers. They 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 need to see that there's something different about what you're doing and, of course, the other thing is there's all sorts of regulatory stuff which you need to address if you're selling in multiple countries to retail. You need to make sure your product testing has been done properly. If you've got food contact items, then you know, that needs to be thorough. It needs to work in the different marketplaces um, or markets, I should say. The, what you need for uh, regulatory approval in the US is very different to what you need in Europe. and Just being on top of that and, and, and making sure that the packaging is of retail quality are probably the most important things it's your it's different retail it's hanging on a shelf right so your um, packaging is your advert it's what draws people in Um, it's what makes people pick it up and it's quite different to the approach on amazon which is more getting in in the way of search terms relevant to your product so it's just a, a little hanging advert for the gizmo or gadget that you've created and, and then back up in terms of sort of brand identity and, and websites and social proof and so on. So I think that's just probably most of the main difference is summarized. It's just going that bit deeper and, and, and probably taking a, a slightly more in depth and sometimes maybe even costly approach uh, to creating the brand.
0: Hmm. Interesting, so it sounds like innovation, regulatory stuff and packaging. And you raised an interesting yep. point that I think a lot of people, for example, I just ordered some uh, like Ginkgo Bilba or whatever it is. I don't know much about these things, but I've just realized that uh, that is a lot of people in lockdown. I've let my uh, physical health sink below the level it should be and I was going out doing some some half marathons about a year ago and I haven't really run since March. My excuse is I got COVID in much but I mean by now I, I need to be recovering from it to some degree. <laughs> anyway so the point being I just happened to look at the package in between you know us talking earlier and us recording now and and it said something sp- explicitly said this has not been approved by the EFSA so the the food standards people in in Europe or the yeah. FDA and I thought wow now that's an interesting Mm -hmm. red flag and it's a herbal product so i'm not personally too alarmed but if i were a retailer and i just flipped over it and i had a look because i've been burnt before i would Mm -hmm. probably throw it back at a person and say come back when you've got that sorted so it gets proves the point that there are people selling stuff on amazon i don't know if these guys are going to be selling in six months time
1: yeah yeah
0: but you know you make the point is a very very valid point. a lot of people try and cut a lot of corners with amazon even the barcodes they use so i had a client come to me he's very new to the game and they, they had this i said okay where do you get your barcodes from i don't know please go and check if they're not gs1 you're risking getting your listing suspended by amazon so again yeah. a retailer probably wouldn't even talk to you if you had done something like that so there's a lot of yeah. people cutting all corners and is, i think yeah, you know all of this
1: in retail is part of the expected scene i mean yeah to to sort of dine at that table you've really got to have all that stuff sorted and there's all sorts of weird local regulations like california there's something called prop 65 oh
0: god yeah and i know
1: I, i i know an amazon seller a big seven figure amazon seller who should remain nameless who had his listing taken down in Germany by through a competitor who noticed he hadn't got some regulatory text on the back of his packaging, which was necessary to sell in Germany. And, and it yeah. was taken down for more than two months. That really, it's really costly. So, you yeah. know, it's that, it's that thoroughness and that fastidiousness, which is probably the difference. I'm, I'm not saying that all the listeners here selling on Amazon haven't done a good job, but it's just making sure you're covered. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's important.
0: By the way, I would just flag up the the division between the two worlds I think is narrowing and that's probably by intention, right? I'm sure that Amazon wants to be taken seriously as a place for really high quality retail items and yeah. they've worked very, very hard to do that, to differentiate themselves from eBay. They're, they're so not eBay and that's a pain for us as sellers, but we've got to recognize that that's why they keep bringing the customers in and get reasonable price points compared to ebay or what have you the yeah. other thing i would say is prop 65 is very much a live danger for amazon sellers you've just flagged up uh, a seven-figure seller that you know had a problem in in germany had mm-hmm. a, a seller who's had an absolute nightmare with prop 65 in in california i don't yeah. propose i don't propose to talk about prop 65 or know the detail but i yeah. do know that it's taken people down so i think in a way what we're saying is probably absolutely applicable to amazon it may not have been passed they may have been mm-hmm. a bit slack about enforcing this stuff. I I kind of feel uh, those days are over anyway, but I guess that that you wouldn't even get a a seat at the table in a retailer is maybe the difference, right? Um.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's just part of the expected scene. You're expected to have covered that stuff off, and uh, you've just got to do it. Yeah. I I think, I don't know how many products there are in Amazon US. Is it 564 million or something ridiculous?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something Um, over half a billion for sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: And and to be honest, they can't police that. So it's only when it gets drawn to their attention that they will pull you up on it, and they will pull you up on it because Amazon don't want to be selling stuff that's not compliant either. No. But, you know, there's all sorts of, every time we were supplying a major retailer this is one with 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 more than 50 60 stores then we had to produce a whole set of testing documentation and factory audits interestingly which is another thing which um, i think skips most of the fba sellers they seem to perhaps not look into that um i'm not suggesting they necessarily need to but if if you did want to push your brand out into retail it's important to be aware that there's kind of a little bit more work to do there
0: and what I think is really interesting and good about this, and why I think it's just like preparing your business to sell or make it sellable rather, doesn't mean you should ever sell it. I know some people who want to probably pass their businesses on to their grandchildren; they're that long family businesses. But it's the same here. And by making it ready for retail, you probably made it proof against Amazon enforcing a bunch of stuff that just because they're not enforcing yet, it always just reminds me that you know people very very often use what the competition's doing as they their gauge for what is necessary and yeah. but that's not strictly true just because you're speeding on the motorway at 90 miles an hour and, and the police happen to have not caught everyone there yet doesn't mean you're not going to be caught in the dragnet and I, I really think that's a dangerous way of building a business and if you're doing seven figures and it's your full-time job probably by that point and your family's yeah. income's dependent on it i think that's pretty pretty cavalier i mean if you're just starting with a you know a couple of tens of thousands a month that's a bit yeah. different but anyway that's that's a slightly different thing let's yeah. get back to the retail thing the, the channel diversification thing then mm. how does that really boost the value on your brand or does it is that a myth is that uh, overplayed or do you think it's a real thing and if so how does that work
1: uh, it's absolutely a real thing i mean if you um, i mean The new venture we have for part of the uh, remit is to acquire Amazon FBA brands, but you only have to look into the multiples that they achieve if your only sales channel is Amazon and then contrast that with the sort of profit multiples you might receive from a a more diversified brand that's selling into retail and direct-to-consumer. And the multiples are probably double, at least maybe more if you've got a pure Direct to consumer hit um, for whatever reason, and I'm not saying that this is justifiable, but it just seems to be the, the way that the market values businesses. Then a pure DTC play might have a value of you know 10 times revenue, let alone profit. So, you know, there's some big differences, and I think depending on how far you want to go, it's certainly worth looking into trying to diversify your brand into other sales channels it might not work for you and that's very important to stress it might not be worth the trouble because it's a lot of work but certainly the, the the multiple if you've got something that is suitable to push through additional sales channels and not everything mm-hmm. is it's definitely worth looking at as i think you could be looking at 2x 3x 4x your your your, your business value in in successfully achieving that
0: Wow, I mean that's really not a subtle difference, is it? So if the no, typical okay. FBA business is say two point five x, it's it's heading more to around three three x. I guess for quotes pure private label Amazon business, whatever's pure about that, but, yeah, with, uh,
1: with, with with brand registry and all, all and all that, all that, stuff. that but, yeah, stuff. But yeah, but I mean yeah. if it's
0: four x, then you suddenly take so you're looking at a, a business doing say a million dollars a year in, in revenue uh, sorry in, in um, EBITDA or profit or whichever multiple cash flow everyone's got a slightly different take on it then yeah. i guess you're looking at a difference in value between 2.5 million pounds and 10 million which is kind of retirement money in the latter case and the former one, i guess it's live pay off your house in london kind of money right i mean or yeah. new york or whatever
1: it is it's a big deal but it's a lot of work so you've yeah. just got to weigh up i think the first thing is to understand is whether it's worth the effort because head down additional products on Amazon for, on, on the brand, just being diligent and, and, and pulling the same levers that you have been doing on Amazon might yield value quicker. It's a, it's a different play, but it, you, shouldn't, you should be alive to the opportunity, potentially, if, you, if you've got a brand that has some sort of innovation and character and identity, or it could do, um, then it's definitely worth considering trying to diversify those sales channels off of not just Amazon, but marketplaces in general.
0: Uh. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So, I mean, I guess you're being very sort of nuanced and, and realistic about this. So, what are the sort of downsides? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of work and effort and money. I guess that's <laughs> obvious downside, but but paint it a little bit broader for us. What, what do we need to be looking out for?
1: I think it's just being... Up. Honest with yourself. Firstly, have you have you got the stamina to try and set up retail channels? It's a it's a lot um, of trial and error. There's a lot of mistakes you'll make. Uh, there's a lot of kickbacks and knockbacks, and you've got to be honest with yourself. If you're up for that fight, I and mean, if you're operating from home and your your lifestyle is good, you know it's going to change, right? So if you start selling to retail, you're going to need you know full stack service third-party warehouses, you're going to need sales reps, you're going to need to attend the trade shows. You're, you're going to have to build up, build out more of a team. And you might just decide that that's not for you. And I, I certainly know a lot of people that have decided that that isn't for them. And uh, the second thing is just to look at the products you're selling and, and realistically benchmark them against what's available off of Amazon in retailers. So I don't know what it might be. If it's a kitchen item, go and have a look in Bed Bath and & Beyond and just see what your competition is. Is it different? Um is it innovative enough? Uh, is the is the brand strong enough or could the brand be strong enough? And that's you know, partly what we're looking to to make sure that the brand is strong enough that you could take it to retail. And then just take a, a, a decision on it. There's also, just to paint some more color really on that picture, you've also got to look at the retail markups because um, typically if I buy something from a factory in China and its landed cost is $10, let's say for argument's sake. If I want to sell that to retail, they're going to want to be selling that probably... That's right about the $50 mark. So it's almost a five times multiple probably from your purchase price uh, to on sale in retail. You won't get that. Obviously, you'll get the wholesale price. But If you're selling on Amazon at three and a half times uh, $10 at $35, it's very difficult for the retailers to take your product, uh, And that's simply because everyone goes into stores now. They zap the barcode or the AN number on the back of the product and it pops up on Amazon and they can instantly get a price comparison. Nothing, uh, There is nothing that retailers hate more than your product being on sale cheaper on Amazon than it is in store. So you've really got to work out if there's enough margin room for the products you're selling on Amazon to sell them through retail. And I suppose... Similarly, direct-to-consumer, it's about price matching. You you hear these terms banded around like MS, MSRP and SRP and RRP. And basically, it's just a recommended retail price that you have to set as your brand. You The uh, retailers generally observe that. So if you say, look, we want you to sell this product at $50, then they'll observe that. They'll, they'll sell it at $50 so that it's not cheaper somewhere else. But obviously, if you're selling it on Amazon at $35, then, then they're not going to be happy about that. So there's a few little bits and bobs you need to sort of be aware of in in assessing whether you're ready to take your brand off amazon and into retail
0: so i'm glad you brought that up that channel conflict thing i mean first of all stamina (laughs) it's a very good point some people i know some very very bright developers of businesses and sort of early stage i guess for your by your standards you know reasonable but not great product development ability and they're really clear in the masterminds when i talk with me about it they don't necessarily want to create a very complex life themselves and for them this it would make sense to sell the the brand when it's fairly early stages to somebody who can then do all the hard work you're talking about and they can go and sit on the beach for a year and then go right i'm bored now i'm going to go and create a new yeah. business and it's important to say for some people that i personally know who's super smart entrepreneurs who are very capable of building something bigger They don't necessarily want to at this point. I can imagine they may get to the point where they've got to scratch that itch. The other thing, though, I think you brought up is incredibly important because I've seen this as a problem rather than a plus. And I Mm -hmm. want to talk this through a bit. Some of the brands we've worked with have sort of legacy relationships with brick and mortar, which is obviously a more challenging place to to sell and make profit now than it was. And they're Mm -hmm. also selling on Amazon. And that creates a real problem because Amazon has a certain kind of pricing structure. It is a price comparison site. I guess Jeff Bezos has favorably said i can't imagine a day when the consumers won't want lower prices greater selection faster yeah. delivery and the first two obviously work very much against us as sellers on the platform right so yeah, yeah. so is it in fact possible to run a business where you sell to retailers in the same especially if it's in the same country and also sell on amazon and make that sort of work together or is it an intrinsic conflict that is not a wise situation to set up
1: There's no problem doing that at all. I mean, we were when we used to exhibit at Chicago, for example. We'd we'd be hit by Amazon vendor teams who wanted to take our brand onto Amazon. They want the best products up there. As long as the uh, brand's strong, there's no real real reason why you can't do both. It's just that you need to be mindful of this price matching or, or SRP. There's 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 no reason why they wouldn't or couldn't coexist. Uh, I think is the short answer, except for the reasons I said sort about of mine before. So
0: Okay, interesting. So I guess what that means is that you've got to have uh, a strong enough because I guess I'm kind of in the Amazon only mindset, because that's what I've done and worked with people who are primarily about that. So this is a, yeah. a healthy corrective. But I guess I'm always conscious that I was talking with a client today, he's new to the scene and in you know, early stages, not a sophisticated uh, seller. But I was saying, so if you overprice something on Amazon, it, it's going to be very, very hard to get the sales volume to rank for keywords. And as you said, the dynamic is different. So I guess what you've got to be able to do is is have a strong enough brand that you can actually command a serious price pot on Amazon, right? I mean, yeah. is that is that about right? I mean, tell me a bit more about how that works in real life when it's successful. Yeah, I mean, I'm
1: trying to give you a real world example. If you take sort of enameled cookware uh, brands like Le Cruze, they've got uh, sort of brand kudos. So you, you're getting people going onto Amazon and searching with Le Cruze. And because of the brand equity that they have, they can potentially sell the same cookpot for twice the price that the um, amazon sellers are selling it for and still make sales but ultimately i think that if you're sort of coming off of amazon and you're you're winning on price it's going to be quite difficult for you to to push those products into uh, retail without really creating some kind of brand buzz you know whether you're on oprah's favorite things or yeah, you're all over the, the sort of printed press, and you've done a bit of marketing and some placement, and all of those sort of things. You've got to kind of got people, you've got to get people interested in the brand to get to a command that higher price.
0: So tell us a bit more about what's. So we talked about whether you know the, the game is worth it and some of the challenges. So let's specifically talk about creating that sort of brand in the in. Not in the usual Amazon sense of slang for a business or a sellable part of a business, I guess you could break off and sell. And nor is it just mean a logo, (laughs) I guess, in the most primitive sense and some packaging designs. As as a friend of mine put it, you, you know, you wake up in the morning after a heavy night with a few glasses of wine, you come up with a brand name. I guess that is not a brand, right? But what do we really need to do? What level do we get the brand at, and before we can get ourselves to into retail?
1: That's a good question, and it really depends on the innovation in the product. If you've come up with something that people haven't thought of before, then you'll find the retailers are more open to listing the item. So if it's really clever, the thing that first got weirdly the thing that first got me into consumer products was something called a poach pod. You can still buy them today, Fully enough. It's a funny little floaty device that poaches your, your eggs. And at the time, it was the only one of its type around. And it just got listed everywhere. I mean, everyone went for it. What retail buyers are after is what they call newness, which means they haven't seen it before. And as long as your product is new, then it, they can be quite forgiving on, on the quality of the packaging and, and, the, and the branding behind it, because it, it, it creates interest in store for them, right? So, you know, when people walk through stores, why would they go to a store rather than shop online nowadays? Well, they can browse, they can find things they weren't expecting. Uh, this is something that you can't really do on Amazon because we've got a colander, for example, um, from my old days, one of my first of products is a flat colander. And you'd go, well, what do we need a flat colander for? Well, that's a good point. And it doesn't rank on Amazon because no one's looking for a, col- a flat colander. They're looking for a colander, so it doesn't convert. So, but those types of product can work in retail environments where people are browsing potentially for gifts uh, maybe they've gone out for lunch and they've they've nipped into a store uh, back in the day when you could go out for lunch and go into a store of course and uh, and that, that that newness can work so it depends on the level of innovation if the level of innovation is high if you've invented something if you like and it's and it's new then you, the packaging doesn't have to be amazing if it's another cook pot <laughs> if it's you know another enameled cook pot then then what have you really got to offer you the, the packaging and the uh, the branding would need to be completely exemplar, really, to to dislodge not only Le Creuset, but potentially the uh, retailer's own lines, because a lot of the retailers are operating the same way we are. Right, they're 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 coming up with their own lines. They're they're going out to China. They're sourcing them direct. They're they're cutting out a layer of of distribution and and wholesale and getting it on the shelves at best price. So. I don't know if that's really answered the question, but it kind of varies. And, and until I've got products and brands in front of me, it's a bit difficult to really advise whether it might work and, and what you might need to do. Because obviously everyone's packaging will be at a different level. A lot of people's yeah. packaging on Amazon will be designed specifically to save, save space. I think everyone's getting battered by this inventory performance index uh, that Amazon's come up with and getting stock into Amazon. So you are probably deliberately trying to get it into a very compact space, which might not give you much sort of branding real estate. So uh, it might be that you need some sort of adaptation to get it to work uh, in in retail. And the other thing is range. If you haven't got a highly innovative product, you kind of need a range you can sell to retailers. they generally looking to fill bits of the store and actually... One of my last experiences with really big box retail was a chain in the US which had 3,000 stores. We were talking to them for two years about taking up a bit of their store. And this will give you some idea why to some degree I've fled retail. That was going to add $12 million to my revenue. That's a big step up from where we were, uh, for, particularly for a relatively new uh, brand. And it got really late stage. And then we realized that The um, buyer had measured the bit of the store wrong for my products would you to sit in and it didn't fit. We didn't have enough time to recover or or, or uh, reshape the packaging uh, and the whole thing fell over. Uh, So I think I don't know if that's answered your question, but, yeah, all all of these things are are, are relevant. And I think, like I said, it kind of depends on what you've got, what you're selling as to what the next steps would be to get it retail ready.
0: Yeah, interesting. No, and of course, a lot depends on the detail. But I think you make three extremely simple points. Number one is that if it, this newness, as they call it, if, if it has that, the level of innovation that's really exciting and kind of is a buzz in some form, then you they'll forgive you a lot, which is a very obvious point because you've got to add value to the market in some frame, form right i try yeah. and sort of work for basic principles and if you're not adding something yeah. in innovative it needs to be incredibly stunningly beautiful if it's another competing exactly. with the if it's and, really pretty yeah.
1: that's enough sometimes yeah
0: know? i guess um, and these things could be very sort of i'm going to put it very impulse driven and hard to know right i mean i guess that this yeah. is the other thing that you're going to get some of it wrong some of the time as you're saying and, and the range is interesting I and mean, i guess what you mean by that is a, a sort of whole suite of products that they can take on rather than just one yes. Very good products, possibly, or one mediocre, but not that quite enough to punch. The other thing you've put your finger on is really a very important point indeed, which I think we can come adrift with on amazon and this is again another amazon versus retail at least i perceive it as a tension between the two and let's see if it is which is you've just referenced um the flat colander my wife's bought a flat colander now she's a great professional shopper in the sense that she buys a lot yeah. of stuff and loves it and in price comparison and all that i don't mean she does it as a job but she loves it and yeah. i have no idea where she bought it from or why <laughs> but i would say that it's not something that i would put into amazon now if i were advising somebody to sell something on amazon i'd say here's the problem with the flat colander like you said the keyword it's going to show up for is colander colander's plastic colander's for spaghetti and other such billion long tail keywords but you're never going to rank for those because going to be you know hundreds and hundreds of results and the trouble is if they saw your product they product they'd love it but you're never going to be visible because you'll be buried on page 10 of the results hey folks well welcome to the whirlwind that is damon meredith um i've had quite a few discussions with damon recently as we got to know each other in advance of the podcast and with our other work that we're doing collaborating and possibly helping with people to um, get their products developed and their brands really developed and and all sorts of possibilities he's a man of possibilities right as you gathered a whirlwind of creative energy i mean somebody who managed to get into 1600 retail accounts worldwide the brand kind of crazy level of success, really. And I hope that today's episode forms as kind of one of two things, either a reality check or an inspiration about the reality of getting into retail stores with a branded product. I think the reality check piece, first of all, is it's got to be seriously good. You've got to have a serious markup on it. The innovation level needs to be much bigger than we used to do with the sort of same old Me Too products that people copy on Amazon. And what you call a Me Too versus innovative products in the Amazon world might not cut it in the wider world, I guess, is one of the things I'm taking from Damon's uh, talk today. But the other side is, what an inspiration that it's actually possible to have a whole world, a vast arena of incredibly lucrative deals available to you outside of the Amazon pond. And it's a big old pond, don't get me wrong, but it is only a percentage of retail. Even now, e-commerce, maybe it's edging towards, in certain countries at certain points, 30% of retail. There's still the other 70 maybe 80%, maybe post-pandemic 85%, who knows? But it's most of retail, right? And it's out there, and I think this is great to get the reminder and the inspiration for somebody who's really, really done it at quite an impressive scale as part of his own organization, not just working for a big corporate how that happens so the next episodes we're going to focus on you know the real realities. of how do we you know should we get the brand there is what what are the reality texts okay what is the the next thing how do we actually go about it what are some of the mechanics so that's coming up and even if you decide out of this that you're going to stick with direct to consumer on your own store front and or through amazon I think that the level of competition that's coming up from established big box retailers coming onto the Amazon platform, having, of course, not let us forget, it had a horrendous 2020 and starts 2021, certainly the UK and probably in the US as well, and, and Europe and many parts of the world, in fact, anyone's listening to this. Guess what? Those guys are their world-class branding and uh, world-class product development and quality control are coming onto Amazon. So I think we've got to up our game either which way. And I hope that today has been... Uh, a wake-up call to that, but also an inspiration. As I say, I think that both can be valuable things. Very positive thing, I think, to talk to somebody who's got a an off Amazon view as well as, of course, being a serious Amazon seller himself. So glad to introduce you to Damon. Do do look him up and do check him out. He's not a person, as he says a bit flying under the radar on the internet. So the best thing to do is hit him up for a conversation. If you've got a serious brand that you're considering selling or developing. And uh, that's the best way you're going to get value from him. And by the way, somebody like that generally gets busy very quickly. So I get in there quickly before he gets swamped with people wanting a piece of that rather extraordinary creative brain. Thanks for listening, guys. As ever, don't forget to like the podcast in the sense, and I went on on YouTube, but uh, we are uh, or on Facebook. But the equivalent of those is apple podcasts you can just give a rating a five star four star whatever you feel is appropriate you don't even have to give a review although it's great if you can we put a lot of blood sweat and energy into this not to say money producing the podcast and that's all i would ever ask you to do there's never going to be a demand of money and if you like it of course don't forget to subscribe and that you can do on any podcast player of your choice thanks for listening Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unami's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.TheEcommerceLeader.com.